Blog Talk Radio. I hear a lot of talk about old-time great fighters. I hear people say that Joe Lewis, Jack Dempsey, Jack Johnson, Jim Jeffries, and all of them would have annihilated the likes of myself, Muhammad Ali. After watching these films, watching their opponents, watching their styles, watching how they fought, watching the footwork and the speed, it may come as a shock to you, but I say that I would have beat every heavyweight that ever lived before me. Joe's gonna come out smoking, and I ain't gonna be joking. I'll be pecking and a poking, pouring water on his smoking. Then this might shock and amaze you, but I will destroy Joe Frazier. I'm knocking out all bones. And if you get too small, I'll knock you out. The cameraman, everybody follows me, I'm so great. He will go in eight to prove that I am great. And if he wanna go to heaven, I'll get him in seven. He'll be in the worst of fix if I cut it to six. And if he keeps talking jive, I'll cut it to five. Oh, I'm the king of the world. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it, hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. from the great state of Texas right here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Greg the Truth. The host of this show is the Black Belt, Mr. Fayaz. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. And we want to thank you for listening live. I want to invite you to follow us on Twitter at MajorityMMA and like us on Facebook at The Majority Decision. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so it can get downloaded to your listening device every time we do a new show. Faz, how's it going? Man, it's going all right. I, uh, I don't know. I had a nice, peaceful day. It rained a little bit, but the sun was out. The skies were blue, and uh, I got Truth is, I can watch three fights anytime, but, you know, it's kind of nice. You know, you work all day, you come home, and then, you know, you turn on the TV and somebody's getting punched in the face. It's uh, it's an enjoyable thing to me. Maybe not so much for a lot of people, but for me. I didn't even know that the fights last night were on television. I thought it was a fight pass card until a, oh, uh, no. a friend and uh, – also, who's also a listener, texted me and said, hey, are you watching the fights? And I was like, no, it's on Fight Pass. And then I smartened me up that it was on Fox Sports 1. So I was able to catch the main card minus the first fight of the night. Or maybe oh, the, yeah, I, I caught in. I came in at the end of uh, the second fight. But okay. so the fight that I missed, which everybody's kind of buzzing about, I guess, one of the fights last night that people are buzzing about, and that's uh, Fort Worth's own uh, Chad Scully getting a 13-second submission 
victory over Maximo Blanco, put the guy to sleep with an anaconda choke. How slick was that? Man, that was that was the craziest choke I'd ever seen, man. It was I had to rewind it a few times just to see how he got it. I don't even I didn't I didn't even see how he grabbed him at first. He comes running out and does a like a flying front kick and hits him in the chest, knocks him over, and then there's like a it's like a minute scramble. I guess uh, Maximo shoots, and then he just he, he just he, it's like he he went for the he went for the guillotine. Next thing you know, he's got the guy tied up in an anaconda, and uh, I mean. The guy is out, and I'm just I'm just looking at Herb Dean. I'm going, well, uh, eventually you'll stop the fight. He he was probably he was probably out for a good five six seconds before uh, they actually stopped the fight. But that was uh, one of the quickest submissions I've ever seen, and uh, one of the craziest openings I've probably ever seen to a fight. Um, you know, barring Fabricio Verdum last weekend. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was crazy how kind of you, you know you he got him kind of the the where doom kick the flying side kick from Verdum when he comes yeah, flying out. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. This was very similar to that, but it was a flying front kick. It was just you know it was like watching two kids point fight for the first time. They just run into each other and one of them sticks a leg out. It was uh, it was kind of wild. <laughs> You know, anytime Chad Scully's on the UFC card, I always have to bring up the fact that we saw this guy, you and I, way back in 2010 when he was fighting on the undercard of Bellator 19. We were at that show. Oh, and, yeah, uh, I remember, that's right. I remember, and I remembered him from that fight ever since then because he, he won it with a, uh, I think it was like a knee bar or leg lock or some kind of a thing I'll cut like there in the second round. But absolutely anyway. I remember that. So well now well I'm glad to see that he's moved on to bigger and better things. And uh, you know, he gets to showcase his talents in a better way. Yeah, without question and you know we always want to try to support the Texas guys too. And uh yeah. He, he's uh he's definitely worked Seems to be working his way up the ladder there in the UFC. Got a couple of wins under his belt, and he seems to be improving every time we see him. Did you look at the? Uh, did you look at who's going to be headlining a fight night real soon here? We got Cyborg, who's going to get, I guess, a main, you know a main event. She's going to get a catch weight against, and if I could just remember this lady's name, I think it's Lindsberg. Lena Landsberg. Yeah. Lena Landsberg, that's right. I couldn't remember her name. I don't know why. <laughs> I couldn't remember her name. And, you know, I don't know that, I don't know why. I mean, if you can find all these people to fight or catch at 140, right, why not just uh, open up a 145 for the women? Yeah, it's kind of an odd thing, right? I mean, I don't, I, I kind of don't get it either. You know, why make her fight at 140 um, when it's just a five-pound difference? I mean, I don't know anything about Lena Landsberg or, you know, what she normally fights at or whatever, but, 
Yeah. I, I would assume that, you know, what's five pounds, right? I mean, they're probably cutting from typical lady, I guess, would be cutting from somewhere around 150 anyway. I don't think they're, unless you, you know, most yeah, of the women unless, are making big cuts. Right. Unless unless she's a 35er, right? Yeah, well, that makes sense. And she's right? walking around at 45 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the only thing I could see, but I mean I, you know, I guess they have they have a forty five pound division for women in Invicta, right? She's I guess Cyborg is the champ over there, so there are women out there who can fight forty five. You probably see a whole lot more of them if you just opened up the division and went with it. But I mean that's how you started flyweight. There's four guys. Right, and you know, for the men, and now there's, you know, you know, there's there's plenty of them. So it's, uh, you know, they just keep they just keep popping up out of the woodwork. So, you know, they're, they're out there. Why not just open it up and let it go? You know, Cyborg can kick it off, and she can run with it, and she'll probably carry it for a while. So I guess the, you know, I don't know if the UFC is kind of playing it safe for her, safe with her. I mean, I don't even know what that, I don't even know what that means. Right, I mean, can you play it safe with her, man? She's the killer right now. I mean, I, I'm that's thinking she just—I'm yeah. thinking she could know anybody at thirty-five, forty, whatever you want to put her in that. Right? I think Misha Tate yeah, had said at one point. At yeah, I think Misha Tate even said at one point, "Well, I'll fight her at forty-five. Well, you'll lose at forty-five if you fight her at forty. God, she'll get murdered. Right? I mean." There's just, I mean, Misha Tate's, you know, hand. I mean, look what Amanda Nunez did to her, right? I can't even imagine what Cyborg would have done to her. So, uh, if you do that, right, then you could create some sort of a super fight. You could do something that you could do something there because you got Nunez, probably a pretty big 35er. She's tough, you know. There's there's something there down the road you could make. But you got you got to open it up, man. You got to give it that opportunity, just like you gave it that opportunity, you know, to start start out the bantamweight division. I don't necessarily think that there's a lack. There's probably not as much of a lack of people willing to fight her, maybe as they want everybody to perceive it to be. Because right, you know, like you said, Misha Tate said she'd fight her. Holly Holm said she'd fight her. Kat Zingano said she'd fight her. And all of those ladies are top, you know, top eight, top five fighters in their in their divisions. So, um, you know, I don't think there's a problem with making fights and making big money fights for her, quote unquote, or at least big name fights in that in the in you know in, in women's MMA. So why do they keep giving her nobodies that we know? You know, no no offense to Leslie Smith, no offense to. Uh, Lena Lansing, but I mean, we know what's going to happen, right? Right. We do know what's going to happen. And because we know what's going to happen, I don't know if they're just trying to market her that way, look at her, she's a killer, this and that, you know, and then give her somebody, you know, and then give her somebody strong. But let's just put her in there with somebody strong. I mean, you're trying to make the biggest fights anyway, right? The, you know, the, the ladies right now at 35, they're playing round robin. Um, you know, Amanda Nunez says she's waiting. So, 
you know, let's, uh, you know, let's, let's make some more exciting fights. Let's make a reason to have a 45 pound division and you'll see them, man. I think you'll see more women coming out of the woodwork, you know, that would, that maybe find it easier to fight at 145 pounds and just can't make the bantam weight. Nine two nine four seven seven one zero seven seven. If you'd like to give us a call, of course, the lines are always open. Um, kind of keeping in the vein of the ladies. So it came out that like, all, all the pay came out. The disclosed pay for UFC 203 came out. Um, and, uh, of course, everybody I – w- I wasn't surprised that CM Punk made $500,000 uh, just to show up. Um, but a lot of people were kind of freaking out over that. Uh, yeah. But one of the people that was actually freaking out pretty big time over it and ranted, on it, ranted about it on Twitter was Kat Zingano. It was also, uh, you know, someone who doesn't, uh, you know, I don't know, she's probably making 25, 25 to show, 25 to win, something along those lines. And, uh, you know, I just don't get it when people complain about other people's pay. I mean, yeah. CM Punk, I can, yeah. I can, I can understand why people would be upset about that. James Tony made five hundred thousand dollars when he showed up to get beat beat up by uh, Randy Couture, and that right. was five years ago, six years ago, when very few people were making five hundred thousand dollars to fight. Um, but you know, everybody needs to just chill out. <laughs> right. It's it's not well, that it's it, it's 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 open up doors for you really to make more money down the road. If you make a good name, it does. You can you can't compare, but you can't compare Punk to James Tony. James Tony was a world title, you know, boxing champion. You you right? You can't you can't compare the two. Right? Punk's first from you know, a fighting standpoint. Comp- from a, right from a fighting standpoint. However, what you what you can say he deserves the money for is that he brought millions of fans that wouldn't regularly watch the UFC to buy that pay-per-view that night just to watch him fight. Yeah, and that, and that was the next point that I wanted to make was that they have the winner, preliminary winner lose, right? numbers. Yeah. Yeah, irregardless. They have the preliminary uh, estimated numbers of what they think that pay-per-view did, and the number right now is anywhere between 350 to 425. Yeah. Uh, you know, 100,000, 100, um, which is, you know, you think, oh, well, McGregor just did a million, so 400,000 is nothing. But you got to right. remember the average USC pay-per-view is about 175,000. Right. So, you know, I, I, it, like you said, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, maybe at least 100,000 extra people bought that card just to watch CM Punk, even though he got unmercifully beat up. Uh, they were paid to see him. <laughs> he, got, he got obliterated, man. I mean, let's just call it what it is. You love the guy, right? You love his attitude towards life, he, everything that he does, you know, what he's done with his life. But, I mean, he – we all knew he was going to lose. We rooted for him. We all knew he was going to lose, but he does bring, he, you know, he, you bring, you bring that, uh, that transitional fan over. You do. 
you, you still have the diehard people who love Phil Brooks as CM Punk, right? Because, you know, that's still his name. He actually carries Staten on that name, so he doesn't have to give it up. And he can carry it wherever he goes, and people are going to follow him because he's got a long following of people. They're going to follow him wherever he goes, and, you know, if he chooses to fight in a lesser organization, they'll probably still keep up with his career, you know? I mean, but the fact of the matter is, right, he's bringing different eyes, a different set of eyes and a different set of people to mixed martial arts. So one of the things, I guess, that they have to figure out or Punk would have to figure out is he trained for a year and a half, roughly, right? Minus the injuries. Right. And and the sur- and the surgery. He's thirty seven. Yeah. Right. He's thirty seven. The guy you know, like you said, he he doesn't belong. Certainly doesn't belong in the UFC. The way he looked at me, I don't know that he belongs. I don't know that he belongs in a cage at all, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He, wow. What what he should have done is right. He should have had some amateur fights. The problem is, yeah. is that the do you pro- think that at that age pro- it's now or never kind of, kind of the thing? Yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? The problem is that he can't do amateur fights anymore because his first one was a professional fight. You can't go backwards yeah. once you've gone pro. But he can still go fight in a lower, a lower, you know, uh, you know, some of the regional circuit organizations, fight guys that are more at his skill level, right? Because let's face it, I don't think I don't think MMA guys are you know fighting a hundred amateur fights before they're getting into the before they're turning pro, I wouldn't say so. I'd probably say they're fighting nine or ten times and then turning pro. Yeah. And some of them don't even do that. Some of them might fight two or three times, then turn pro. But he'll find more people around his skill set right around there. Could he still do it? Absolutely. You know, could he get better at it? He can get better at it. You know, martial arts is one thing you can start at any age and grow at. If you have, you know, he's in good shape. He's not, you know. It's not like he's broken or anything, and you know if he if he wants to do it, he could do it. I mean, man, Randy Couture, you know, and you, you it's a totally different skill set. But Randy Couture didn't start doing it. He didn't even he didn't turn pro. He was like thirty six. You know, there's just you know some guys can do it, some guys can't. Now, will CM Punk ever be a title holder? Maybe not. But uh, if he wants to go fight nine, ten more times just to say, man, I did it, and, you know, that's what I wanted to do and live it out, then he should go do that. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, you know, this was another thing that I had a problem, that I kind of had a problem with. And so everybody's talking about, and I'm going to get off this in a little bit. Don't worry. We'll move on. We'll move on. But, <laughs> so Punk... Everybody's like, oh, he's so brave, you know. He did what uh, a lot of people want to do, but nobody actually does. He's got guts to step in the cage and blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something. Dude, if I knew the $500,000 paycheck was waiting on me at the other end of the fight, I would step in the cage with John Jones. I don't care. Knock me out. I'll take a broken nose. 
for five hundred thousand dollars. So, yeah. I mean, let's let's just not let's let's not pretend like what he's doing is brave. Um, I do think that he, you know, he he deserves props. I don't think he did it for the money. Though. Changing his career. No, I, I don't think, think he, he did, did it for the money, money either. But I tell you what, because the guy's got he plenty say, of. Hey Dana. But he didn't say, "Hey Dana, why don't you just give me fifteen thousand dollars, or why don't you, yeah, like what's no, the, like what's no, paying Mickey Gallup?" Of course not. Of course he didn't. You know why? Because he said, "I'm going to bring eyes that nobody else did." That's probably what Brock said too, right? You, you know, you you bring that you bring that transitional wing. Of course, there was a business side of it, but uh, you know, it's just like I said, you know, he's, he's he'll never be a world champion, but it's something he wants to continue to do. If he really wanted to do it, he could. So, one more thing on UFC 203. Uh, um, Rogan, Joe Rogan uh, interviewed Alistair Overeem after he had been knocked out. Overeem mumbled something about thinking Stipe tapped out to the uh, to the guillotine. Obviously, he didn't. Then Joe Rogan suggested that perhaps they'd no longer interview guys who had been knocked out after the fight. I don't think, uh, I don't know what you thought about that, but I thought Joe Rogan was wrong at calling into the carpet in front of everybody. I think that was unprofessional to do that, you know. Um, I mean, he, he literally just, because, and, and here's why. Because after the fact, he said, well, the guy was knocked out. He might have been kind of loopy, so it was a mistake for us to interview him. But you knew that when you were interviewing him, and then you said, well, let's go to the tape, and let's show all uh, 500,000 people that are watching this show tonight that you're a liar and you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know you called him a liar, but, I mean, you know uh, – <laughs> Anything could have happened, and if Overeem thought the guy tapped, but I doubt that's what happened. I think Overeem went to sleep, and uh, he was dreaming that somebody tapped in the gym, and that's what happened. I don't, you know what I mean? But if uh, it's kind of like when they, do you remember when Gabriel Gonzaga knocked out Mirko Kroka with his own left kick, with his own head kick? Mm-hmm. He folded him so badly, and then they tried to interview him afterwards. And Mirko Krokop, they're asking him questions like, well, you know, what's next? And, you know, you know, will you will you continue to fight after this? And, and then that guy doesn't even know where he is. They're holding him up, practically. He doesn't know where he is. Yeah. It's, it's kind of stupid. Now, guys who get pounded out, typically, you know, Maybe you interview that guy and you kind of see where he's at because a lot of those guys wake up and go, what are you talking about, man? I wasn't out. I wasn't out, you know? So, uh, I, you know, as far as Joe Rogan calling people out, man, I don't, I don't know if he was really thinking, oh, I'm going to call him out. I, I think he just said, hey, let's go to the tape. and You know, what are you talking about, you know? So, it's, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't I, you know what I mean? I don't think he purposely meant it to be like, you know, um, well, let me show you, idiot. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, don't, I don't think he I mean, meant. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't, don't think really it think was that. malicious. That's... Yeah. Yeah, you're right, but I don't think it was malicious. But he is right. I mean, you know, maybe you don't you don't interview the guy who just got 
planted, went to sleep, and woke up. You just don't do it. I mean, it's uh, probably he probably has no idea what's going on. Yeah, and it it's a tough interview to just come, you know for a guy who just lost, especially a title fight. You know, I mean, I guess I know that's part of the job, but that's a tough spot to be in as an interviewer as well as a fighter. You know, I mean, what do you ask the guy? Hey, you just got knocked out. What's next? Well, you know what's next. I'm going back to the gym and I try to get right back here again. It's not a whole lot to right. say. Right. Um, moving on to a fight night, which was over in Hidalgo, Texas. We'll jump right to the main event, uh, but I also want to throw in uh, – a little talk about Uriah Hall and Derek Brunson, but uh, yes, um, I, you know what? Actually, let's go there first, and let me just say this: I don't like Uriah Hall. I'm glad that he got knocked out, but uh, Herb Dean, Herb Dean stopped that fight early. Do you agree with that? You think so? I think you so. Th- see, just a hair. You know what? He could have gave him just a little bit longer. That's yeah. I think maybe you're right. You're right. Maybe, I think mean, he could have let it go for a few more seconds. Maybe he saw something we all didn't. Maybe he felt bad that he missed the anaconda choke, right, you know, right away in the beginning. Yeah. But, uh, you, you know, he uh, – on replay, it didn't look like Uriah Hall was hurt real bad. But when Herb Dean stepped in to stop, you know, to stop the fight, Derek Branson, you know, ran off celebrating. Uriah Hall got up and grabbed – Herb Dean's leg. Yeah, I saw that too. So, and then, you know, all, and was then he all of okay? a sudden he jumped up like he was awake the whole time. Yeah. 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 So was he okay? Was he not okay? I don't know. Maybe that was a touchy call. Maybe he saw something that we all couldn't see from the angle, right? Because if you, you know, typically when a guy gets up after getting pounded out and he's grabbing the ref's leg, that means he has no idea what's happening or, you know, what's going on. And uh, that's – yeah. It, it looked like he was going to try to single-leg Herb Dean. Yeah, that, and I thought the same thing. But then, you know, he, hearing some other people take on it, I was thinking, man, you know what, I think maybe maybe he could have gave him he just probably, a little bit more time. I think he could have given him, yeah, some more benefit of the doubt, though, maybe. Because it is Uriah Hall, But you know what, right? though? He's, yeah. And but but you know this is something that we we've said in the past. You you said in the past. I've said in the past. Herb Dean at the end of the day actually probably just saved him from eating some more punches. And true. I think it's the job uh, job of the referee to always err on the safety of the of the fighter. Yeah, I mean, when was the last time you've seen Uriah Hall get hit like that? You don't even know if he can yeah. take that kind of damage. I've I haven't seen him get hit like that in a long time. I don't even know if he's, you know, if he's equipped to take that kind of a beating. So, I think Derek Brunson is a real deal, man. I mean, I don't know if you've caught any of his fights leading up to that, but this guy's looking at uh, four first-round uh, knockouts in a row. And, uh, you yeah. know, not against just rollovers either. I mean, tough guys, Ed Herman, Sam Alvey, uh, Ron Canero, and now Uriah Hall. So, yeah. So they got to give him a few more t- top top tier guys though, 
and then uh, then yeah. maybe give him a shot. I th- no, yeah, title shot definitely not. I think I think he needs a win over a top five guy at least, at least a one win over a top five guy, if not two, or even top title shot. Yeah, yeah. Don't call for the strap yet, man. Knock a few more out. So the main event. Dennis Johnson, or uh, Michael Johnson, excuse me. I don't know why I have a need to call him Dennis Johnson. I've done that, I think, since yesterday. Um, man, sometimes this guy is unimpressive. Last night, he was super impressive. What did you think about his knockout win over Dustin Poirier? I, I wasn't expecting it, man. I wasn't expecting it at all. It was amazing. I knew they were going to fight. And uh, he came in throwing super combos. And when he caught Dustin Poirier, I was pretty shocked, man. Dustin Poirier was uh, mid-uppercut, mid-uppercut, mid-hook, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, Michael Johnson just landed first. And, I mean, Poirier went out quick. So I didn't even know Michael Johnson could hit that hard. You know, props to him. Um, I know Dustin Poirier is going to want that one back one day. So a good job, Michael Johnson. Yeah, that's a that's a big win over over a real tough guy. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Johnson next. That's going to do it for this edition of the Majority Decision. Thanks everybody for listening. Have a great week, and uh, be sure to check out next time we're on the air. Bye.